Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Donald Trump says that if he's impeached over something like this, there will be a revolt. Now, I don't know what metaphor level we take this to. Does he mean pitchforks coming into Washington? Does he mean the tanks have to be ready to meet the people? But he says a revolt. Now, you can say that's stirring up real trouble in this country. What do you make of it? It sounds like a dog whistle. I mean, it sounds like he's appealing to his supporters saying, look, if I get impeached, it's not legitimate. It's a move by the deep state to remove me, your democratically elected leader, even though now we're learning that that may not be the case because he he severely uh, limited voters' knowledge during the election um, and mayor may not have worked with the Russians. Um, but I think that it was definitely a signal to his base saying, this is what you guys should do. You should be up in arms, figuratively, not necessarily literally, if I, if the Democrats in the House move to impeach me. Of course, I don't think at this point the right. Democrats will do that because they have signaled that they would not do it if they did not think that the Senate would remove him. Um, but I, I don't think there's any other way that you can slice it. I think that Donald Trump was clearly sending a dog whistle there. It's interesting because if Stormy Daniels was all over the papers the day or two before the election and uh, Karen McDougal, all that would have, I think, changed a few of the votes in Pennsylvania, don't you think? <laughs> but let's start with this. Does the public understand just how much trouble the president is in? If not, that's a failing of the press. Sure, there's lots of talk here on cable news about the president being boxed in, lots of warnings that the walls are closing in. It sounds like the White House is undergoing like a really bad renovation. But do viewers and readers understand why from my vantage point here i think the press needs to redouble its effort to zoom out way out and make sure the big picture isn't being clouded by all the hourly and daily developments because don't get me wrong each puzzle piece is important each of the headlines every minute every hour every day are important but what's most important is that we try to show people the entirety of the puzzle show people all of the pieces that have been filled in so far and what we already know. And to be sure, there have been some strong examples of this in the past week, some great examples just in the past couple of days. Uh, Look at this graphic from CNN on Friday. This was in heavy rotation on CNN throughout the day on Friday, showing all of the various investigations that involve Trump, everything from his company to his foundation, to the inauguration, uh, to the uh, transition, uh, of course, to his administration, etc. And more here from the Associated Press, a similar story on Saturday. And the Washington Post in today's paper putting it this way. Two years after Donald Trump won the presidency, nearly every organization he led in the past decade is under investigation. That's the kind of writing we need more of right now. Zooming out, connecting the dots, emphasizing the facts, and skipping the spin. Because extraordinary times call for new, different, extraordinary ways of storytelling. Here's a few examples of how it's been framed on television the past week that I thought got it right. The president is battling a ton of investigations. Frankly, we've never seen anything like it. Clearly, the investigative walls are closing in. This is not normal. Things are not okay. The president of the United States is in serious trouble. This last week was a pretty bad year for Donald Trump. (laughs) Trump, by the way, lashing out at SNL today, and we'll get into that later this hour. Uh, But I think what we need to see on television, in print, online, are more than just the 90-second packages, more than just the 500-word stories. 
We need trusted voice, voices, both nonpartisan anchors and clearly point of view driven hosts to explain what is going on and why Trump is in such a precarious position. Let me show you another good example. This is how Rachel Maddow put it on Thursday night. I thought she framed it really well right here. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 22nd of December, year of our Lord, 2018. My day late. Sorry about that. I got a stomach virus. Sick as hell. Um, started out as like just kind of like a heartburn. Next thing you know, I am just on a toilet and I can't get off the toilet. So it's taken me a couple days to get my digestive system back into a comparable status so I could sit in front of a computer and talk without having going and i'll be right back and i'll be right back and i'll be right back because i just woo nothing better than getting sick before christmas and then i gave it to my wife but you know that's good it's only a 48 hour bug didn't take that long to get over with that was the media i'm not covering a lot of that shit i mean i don't know all this stuff about the deep state and russia i i I just can't really get into it. So the back half of that comment was Anifa. And, and let me close the thought. It, it, I don't believe anything. I just don't believe the right. I don't believe the left. And I really don't think that the collusion shit is anything. If the collusion thing was something, it's two and a half years of investigating. You'd have something by now. But you don't. It, they're going after other stuff. So, you know, hush money. Yeah, all of Washington as hush money. So I don't even think that's a thing. And I don't think the American people do either. But, you know, MSDNC, yeah, they're going to do it. So we talk a little about Antifa. Like I said, on the back half of that, that was, you know, they bring them on. They're still on TV. Amarathi, crazy. An Antifa leader using allies to promote radical communism, killing rich people and overthrowing the U.S. government. Under his real name, this person works with congressional Dems as part of a left-wing advocacy group. From the Daily Caller, smash racism D.C. organizer Jose Martin, also known as Chepe, is a radical communist and Antifa leader operating in the U.S. He advocates for the violent overthrow of the government and for the murder of the rich and claims to have international involvement in left-wing movements, but the agitator has been made great efforts to separate his fanatic persona from the third identity, his legal name, Joseph Jose Alcoff. Under that identity, the 36-year-old has worked as a payday manager for America, Americans for Financial Reform since 2016. He has used the Jose Martin identity to make public appearances, promote socialism, but his communist, Chepe Alice, makes him Jose Martin identity seem moderate, using it to advocate for violence and overthrowing, eliminating comp, camp, uh, capitalism. Meanwhile, in his professional capacity as Alcoff, he has been quoted in press releases from Democratic Senators Dianne Feinstein, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin and appeared at an event with Democratic Representative Don Bayer of Virginia outside the Con- Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. He's been with Sherrod Brown, Maxine Waters, and I just have to say, David Duke. David Duke. Every Republican is held to David Duke. The Democrats have on a steering committee an actual communist socialist who wants to overthrow the country and smash racism has fucked all sorts of people up. They fucked up this guy. 
I could have died that day. Marine testifies about brutal attack by Antifa. Two Marines testified in court Thursday about a brutal attack they suffered at the hands of Antifa member. U.S. Marine Corps Reservists Alejandro Gondinez and Luis Torres were attacked in mid-November while attending an event that had nothing to do with protests occurring elsewhere at that time in Philadelphia. The Marines traveled to Philadelphia with the members of the helicopter unit, according to Philadelphia Magazine. During their testimony last week, the Marines said they were unaware of the We the People rally taking place nearby, including members of an alt-right group, Proud Boys, facing off with members of left-wing extremist group Antifa. Both of them said they were touring landmarks near the rally when one suspect, 33-year-old Thomas Keenan, approached them and asked, Are you proud? Gondiga said he responded, We're Marines. Tori said he remembers Keenan asking him they were members of the Proud Boys, but he didn't know what that meant. After that, the Marines testified about 10 Antifa members, including men and women, some of whom were masked, began punching and kicking them, spraying them with mace, and calling them white supremacists and Nazis. Gondinga said he responded to the slurs by saying, I'm Mexican, but the attackers didn't stop. Keenan and other members of the group then started using ethnic slurs against the Marines. The other suspect arrested for the attacks, Thomas Massey, was not accused of using slurs. Gondinga said on the stand that he was attacked with mace at least six times, had been punched in the head and kicked in the ribs. He said the mob stomped him and chanted, fuck him up. The best way I can describe it is the sounds of people chanting at a soccer stadium. He added that Keenan was laughing, smiling, and having a good time. That's that's what we have here. That's Antifa. And the left associates themselves with it. Chuck Todd brought the founder on. Wrote the Bible. And that's, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. To me, it's no different than this story. Palestinian Live. Palestinian child Ahmad Sabah sentenced to 35 years in Israeli prison in order to pay 1.25 million niz. He was 15 at the time of his arrest. He stabbed a man to death who was outside a grocery shopping with his family. The left is breeding people like this. It's no different. In my eyes, they're terrorists. You just don't go walk up to people and beat the fuck out of them. I'd like the world to be that way because there's plenty of people I like to beat the fuck up. Probably start with LeBron, which I'm not covering today, but he's saying that all NFL owners are slave owners. Jesus Christ. That guy is just foolish. I mean, okay, I'm going to cover it really quick before we go to our next story. Uh, Literally, folks, he is just a puppet for the DNC right now. They hand him any talking points. He just goes with it. And have they not learned? Last cycle for Beto and Hillary... The last two cycles, you had Katy Perry, every celebrity, LeBron, did it work? Maybe you should notice Americans really don't give a fuck what celebrities have to think. Only the brain-dead liberal ones do, and they were already voting for you. So what are you fucking getting out of it? Then we have this nugget, which goes all along with Anifa. Tuesday, New York State Senator Kevin Parker tweeted messages, message, kill yourself to Deputy Communication Director of the New York State Senate Majority because she outed him over parking space shenanigans. Kill yourself. Sexual tweet. The Bradford file. If Kevin Parker was a Republican, this would be trending. Just saying. Brooklyn Senators tweets, kill yourself to GOP aide, Twitter, media, 
silent. A state senator pushing a bill that would require pistol seekers to submit to social media search urged a Senate Republican aide to kill herself in a now-deleted Twitter post on Tuesday. That's the same guy. He's saying that they should go through your social media so you can't get a gun. And he's saying, kill yourself to people. By 12.18 p.m., after it was outed by conservatives, not the media, I sincerely apologize. I use a poor choice of words. Suicide's a serious thing and should not be made light of. But within hours, he was tweeting again at Globe again, saying she's on the wrong side of history for a very important issue facing New York State. Oh, really? In a tweet, Gove appeared taken aback by Parker's tweet. Did a senator just say this to me? Incoming Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, a Democrat from Yonkers, issued a statement Tuesday saying she was disappointed in Parker. I was disappointed in his tweet. Suicide's a serious issue and should not be joked about in a manner. I'm glad he has apologized. Oh, nothing to see here. Tuesday tweet was not Parker's first brush of controversy. In 2010, he was convicted of misdemeanor criminal mischief after damaging a camera belonging to a New York Post photographer who was assigned to take photos of him outside of Brooklyn home. This guy is a fucking piece of shit. He's just a, he is an Alec Baldwin Democrat. But he thinks you shouldn't have guns if you say on your Facebook, go kill yourself. And malarkey. The planet is running a fever and there are no emergency rooms for the planet. We just need to get fossil fuel money out of politics. I've never needed their dirty money. That's dirtying up the world. Sign the pledge. Problem is, Ed Malarkey has taken all sorts of money. So, yeah. Ryan Savandra. Leftist masquerading around as journalists and promoting boycotts of Fox News Tucker Carlson but said nothing about CNN's Don Lemon. Blatantly racist remark at MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski's homophobic slurs. Homophobic slurs. Is it time to launch a counter boycott? So we've gotten to the point that he said something that was inappropriate. I think it was inappropriate. I mean, you don't say they're making our country dirtier, dirtier and poorer. It was just not the right thing to say. But they tried this huge boycott of him. They want to boycott Fox. This place is just crazy. And I counter once again with Women's March sponsors silent on anti-Semitism allegations. In the wake of the disarray, the group has planned its third march in Washington. The lack of basic organization is fairly evident. The Women's March website has sponsor page the list partners for 2017's march. National Review for a full list of confirmed sponsors for the upcoming 19th, January 19th event. They con- uh, National Review contacted more than 20 of the most prominent uh, organizations among the listed sponsors, asked whether they're sponsoring the Women's March in January, and asked for a comment about the tablet report. A vast majority of the 2017 sponsors never replied, including Emily's List, NARAL, National Organization for Women, National Abortion Federation, ACLU, AFL-CIO, SEIU, and the Healthcare Union. And progressive outfits is NAACP, GLAD, MoveOn.org, and Human Rights Campaign. They're sponsoring it. They're anti-Semitic. They don't give a fuck. Why, why would they care? Why would they care? Then you got this super nugget. 
The National Post reported that one of the star reporters at Germany's Der Spiegel magazine resigned after admitting he invented the interviews on a grand scale. Klaas Ratuls won a CNN Journalist of the Year award in 2014, which isn't surprising seeing how much CNN likes fake news. In recent years, Der Spiegel published just under 60 articles by the reporter. He has now admitted that in several instances, instances he never... he completely invented the stories or distorted facts. The falsifications came to light after a colleague who worked with him on a story about the U.S.-Mexican border raised suspicion about some of the details of Reles, po- Reles I don't know how to say his name, reporting having harbored doubts about him for some time. The colleague, John Morano, eventually tracked down two alleged sources quoted extensively by Reles in the article, which was published in November. Both said they never met him. Rotolis had lied about seeing a hand-painted sign that read Mexicans keep out, a subsequent investigation found. Other fraudulent stories include one about a Yemeni prisoner in Guantanamo Bay and one about American football star Colin Kaepernick. School children painting pictures of Donald Trump? A lie. To be clear, CNN praised his work because it was liberal. I'm just letting that sit. That was a, a dramatic pause while I drank. Um, how many other people have made shit up? I mean, you can go Fox in this. I'm not just saying the left. How many of these stories are real? Think about it for a second. Think about it. I think a lot of this shit, I mean, seriously, we've already covered the, the last gassing one where they showed four stage photos for a stage photo. It was four stage photos and one stage photo of people running from the CS. Yeah. Because the CS was just at the people that were attacking the crossing. Not at everybody, but they made it look like everybody. Then we get into this stuff. New York Times. Three more suspects have been arrested killing a two Scandinavian tourist in Morocco. And what Danish officials say might be an act of terror linked to ISIS. Danish Norwegian, hike, Norwegian hikers Louisa Vesterias Jabersa and Maria Olena, beheaded by ISIS, pledged attacked in Altus Mountains, Morocco's bodies found Monday, vid allegedly of the gruesome executions circulating on social media, along with vid of alleged executions pledge, pledging to ISIS. Yeah, beautiful young ladies. So ISIS is still there. After the new year, We'll see where we're at on this pulling out of Syria stuff. I kind of have a few things on it because it's hypocritical. Because, I mean, come on. Obama created ISIS, but whatevs. Then there was Murphy, Murphy Brown. I, I just, you know, I, I'm only covering this because there was a spree of stuff that came down before I put this podcast to the mic. One was Katie Turr's, oh my God, RBG's on my flight. And then there was Murphy Brown. And this week, Chuck Todd said in an interview, which is in our hate tweets, which I won't read now because I, I'm talking about it now, where he was asked, you know, what's the difference between MSNBC and Fox by a reporter, you know, doing the interview? Because there is no difference. Fox is right-leaning at night and left, and MSNBC is left-leaning all day long. And he said they work in facts. Didn't even admit they were left biased. So, Murphy Brown does her finale, which is not how it's being written, but they, she's already been canceled. Nobody's watching the show. 
Sadly, in looking up that article, I found out Happy Together is getting canceled. I love that show. I think it's funny as hell. The young Wayans and the girl, we, we just loved it, me and the wife, but it's gone. And Andrea Mitchell and O'Donnell were on the show. The usual poking at pants because he won't be alone with women. Those were stupid. But was really stupid was that these two NBC reporters went on a show that is the left's version of Roseanne. All right, it, it was the answer to Roseanne. They didn't want Roseanne. So they brought back Murphy Brown to live, and these two people go on it. They're journalists. Why would they go on that? You know if anybody went on Roseanne, it would be a big deal. You you couldn't, you can't go on Roseanne. No fucking way. So O'Donnell just talked within the scene. He really wasn't political. So I'm giving him a pass. Shouldn't have been there, but he gets a pass. But Andrea Mitchell, Miss Journalist. I mean, she is the journalist, right? Gloats with Murphy Brown that you broke the news of Dan Quayle as VP choice. And the story goes like this. I broke the news. You, Murphy, broke the man. Laughs all around. And that was okay. And once again I say, how can that be? How can a major reporter for NBC News say jokes about crushing a Republican vice president if you're objective? How do you do that? How is that not partisanship? Going on the show alone is partisanship. I mean, for fuck's sake, SNL at least brought on Hillary and Trump. Yes, they dog Trump and they don't dog Hillary, but they brought them both on. Just to have the, the, the facade of not being a partisan tool for the Democratic National Party. But I was just shocked with it. It's the only time I ever watched Murphy Brown. I watched it live and then a story came out from uh, Newsbusters. But, yeah, that, that's pretty fucked up. That's that's me. That's journalism 2018. You can go on Murphy Brown and dog Republicans, but then you can still go back and be an objective, breaking news journalist. Yeah. So let's fire for effect, and we're starting off with 69 idiots of the resistance. Counting down our 69 idiots for the year 2018. So now in no particular order are our top idiots for the resistance lives. First up is Amy Siskind. 
ex-Republican, former Obama hater. She gets very mad when you mention either of these past lives to her. Next up is the anonymous New York Times op-ed writer. No matter who this person is, they're the insufferable embodiment of the fact that the GOP establishment still has no concept of the outsized role they've played in Donald Trump's rise. Then we've got James Comey and Benjamin Wittes. Comey and Wittes belong to an elite group of firmly centrist white lawyer dudes who joined the resistance because they're afraid Trump will do something so bad that he upsets the status quo which has done them so much good. As I said, I see evidence of great carelessness. Next up, we have the Krasensteins. The brothers' brains finally broke this year when they got dragged to hell and back for their lame children's book, which featured a swole Robert Mueller. Next, Leah McElrath, who ascended to another level of idiot this year with her Beto O'Rourke cum tweets. Need I say any more? Next up is Marcos Molitsas, who made this list for his tiresome, incorrect takes about Bernie Sanders' cult of personality, which is pretty rich coming from a guy who named his blog after himself. Then we've got Michael Avenatti, the shiny-headed lawyer. Next up, we have Michael Bloomberg, who's been playing the same will-he-or-won't-he run-for-the-presidency game for about the last decade. Next up is Neera Tanden, who's one of the most hopelessly online resistance liberals in the country. Then we've got the Pod Save America bros. These are people who think being a former DC insider is a selling mark rather than a mark of shame. And finally, Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer is a billionaire. But he's also a grifter who spent millions of dollars on his stupid need-to-impeach campaign, which has so far gotten us precisely nowhere. So that's it, Resistance Libs. We hope you all crawl in a hole and wither away. If not, see you again in 2019. Yeah, that's some good shit right there. That's Splinter. Splinter's pretty liberal, but they had that and 69 idiots, and they're all fucking idiots, and she handled it pretty well. I'm going to let it go. If you hear barking in the background, I apologize. My, uh... Wife wanted a puppy, and uh, I decided uh, to be Santa and go get her a Bichon Frisou. Cutest little white fluff ball you've ever seen in your life. But he is a beautifully loving, great dog. But when you kennel him, he is Satan. So all day you're going to hear a yap yap in the back. That's in the sunroom of my house, 50 feet away or longer, door closed. He's throwing a fucking fit. So our next thing was an actual article. This came from Politico, the hardest glass ceiling in politics. I'm going to paraphrase, not going to read it, because i got a long show today. In this is talking about how it's so hard for women to break into politics, including being organizers and running campaigns. And once again, the entire world took this article and wiped their ass with it because what was Kellyanne Conway? The first woman ever to win a political campaign for president. She ran it. And once again, the media and the establishment does not recognize her because she's conservative. Yeah, that that was the thing. So, thought that was great. There was Camelia Harris. She got herself in some shit. Talking a lot about, you know, women's stuff. So she came in with this. Women in the healthcare system must be given dignity. They must be listened to. They must take be taken seriously. Only then can we reduce maternal mortality. 
mortality. Heather Champion, winning at my life, with four slaps, you excluded trans women. To which Camelia Harris apologized and said, I meant all women. Then women came on the tweet and said, half of my doctors and women, and I would describe them and their female MPs and PAs as world class. Fortunately, your rants, free stuff, and pandering will never reduce the need for study and hard work. And that was headed to Heather Champion. They're women. We're still stuck in this crazy, women can have babies that were men. It doesn't exist anywhere. It is a fallacy. And so was, nice segue, transgender contestant, give it a standing O, but she lost. Yeah, she didn't win. So she had, I had a whole soundbite of her literally saying, you know, how just me standing on that stage was a rebuke to Trump and everybody and blah. Yeah, shut up. Pew survey shows women's view on abortion aligned with men's worldwide bucking the women issue narrative. Pew noted that the data from 34 European countries and America showed that regardless of the overall support for legal abortion, women and men in 27 of 34 countries surveyed do not differ that significantly in their views. In the U.S., they found 60% of women and 57% of men favor legal abortion. It goes through all of it, showing that men and women hold the same view. But it looks like the left doesn't feel that way because they're more invested in abortion with a breaking story, women's health care provider Planned Parenthood mistreats pregnant employees. Well, 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 it turned out that PPFA might not be immaculate champion of women's rights they insist to be. Well, we all knew that, but it sure is nice to see with an official story written by the New York Times, which surprised me. In a Thursday report, the New York Times exposed abortion giant discrimination against pregnant employees. The Times cited first-hand accounts from several Planned Parenthood employees including assistant Talisa Harston, who complained the reproductive rights provider ignored her doctor's request that she be allowed to take breaks for the sake of her baby's health. The outlet wrote, Last winter, Ms. Harston told the Human Resource Department of Planned Parenthood Clinic in White Plains, New York, that her high blood pressure was threatening her pregnancy. My daughter had that. It's very serious. She's supposed to lay down, actually. She sent the department multiple notes from a nurse recommending that she take frequent breaks. Harston claimed that her supervisor essentially ignored her request and barely gave her time to rest or take a lunch break. She claimed that the most emotionally taxing part of the ordeal was that she was instructing patients that they do all they could to keep themselves and their unborn children well. She knew that she couldn't do that for herself. That's just one example of the abortion mill sidelining, ousting, or otherwise handicapping pregnant employees. It has been revealed in several of the company's clinics in California, Texas, North Carolina, New York. Managers have declined to hire pregnant job candidates, refuse requests by expecting mothers to take breaks, and in some cases push them out of their jobs after they gave birth. Not only that, most Planned Parenthood centers do not provide paid maternal leave, though many let new mothers take partially paid disability leave. Several employees in Miami stated the women at a Planned Parenthood office were scared to tell managers for fear of the consequences. One of them, Carlino Delgado, claimed that it was looked down upon if you're pregnant. In a statement to the Times, 
PPFA President Lena Wen acknowledged her company's shortcomings. I believe we must do better than we do now. It's our obligation to do better for our staff, their families, blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is, folks, why would they want you there? Their big money is chopping up babies. You're a bad sign, man. Having a baby? What are you, fucking crazy? You're supposed to kill that motherfucker. We're in the killing baby, not having baby. Other crazy baby stuff. Women's fi- women find internet algorithms completely insensitive to their grief over losing baby. A whole story. They're now pissed off because algorithms... I'm not reading the open letter this lady did. They're not designed for miscarriages, and they want that fixed. Okay. New York Times does something good. They must do 10 things bad, and here's one of them. Would would human extinction be a tragedy? Our species possesses inherent value. But we are devastating the earth and causing unimaginable animal suffering. Mr. May is a professor of philosophy at Clemson University. I should have put this in the college section. There's stirring a discussion this day in philosophical circles about the prospect of human extinction. This should not be surprising given the increasing threatening uh, predations of climate change. And reflecting on this question... I want to suggest an answer to a single question, one that hardly covers the whole philosophical territory, but is an important aspect of it. Would human extinction be a tragedy? To get a bead on this question, let me distinguish it from a couple other related questions. I'm not asking whether the experience of humans coming to an end would be a bad thing. In these, pa- in these pages, Samuel Schiffer has given us an important reason to think that it would be. I'm also not asking whether human being as a species deserve to die out. That is an important question, but would involve different considerations. Those questions and other like it need to be addressed if we are to come to full moral assessment of the prospect of our demise. Yet what I am asking here is simply whether it would be a tragedy the planet no longer contained human beings. And the answer I'm going to give might seem puzzling at first. I want to suggest to at least tentatively both that it would be a tragedy, that it might just be a good thing. And then he goes on to say, we're horrible. And we should go away so the planet can be perfect without us. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 great. Okay, more immigration because you know we gotta we gotta grease out as much as we can get from a seven-year-old dying because her father didn't give her water. The bottom line is this. The president has told people to go to ports of entry. Customs and Border Patrol is saying, basically, the shining city on the hill, which is El Paso, uh, is full. Um, So you have this deep contradiction and messages continuing to be sent from this administration around the world that basically America is closed. The things that should not be normal, Mika, um, children with numbers on their arms, children dying in the desert, children being held in a tent facility in Torneo, Texas, able to speak to their lawyers only 20 minutes a week. These things are becoming normal by this administration, which continues to shape policy on the fly without any transparency. And Julia Ainsley, um, the, the Trump's tweet, just so cruel, and um, how the policy is supposed to work to keep people from coming. Everything about it is heartbreaking, and I don't think represents who we are. This separation crisis still exists, does it not? They say they pulled back the policy, but there are children. 
still waiting. Yeah, Mika, I mean, there's there's a lot of problems with that tweet, not to start with the spelling error with separation there, but, um, you know, part of the thing, too, is that this administration is, is self-inflicting their own wounds. It was a policy to criminally charge all illegal border crossers and therefore separate them from their children. That was not an Obama administration policy. That's a Trump administration policy, and that's why we saw the number of separations skyrocket earlier this year. And there are a number of other self-inflicting inflicted wounds here too. Stephen Miller is trying to put this narrative on the parents bringing up their children, but really a lot of this has to do with Trump administration policy, not to put more people at the border who can process asylum claims, who can provide medical care. Remember this girl did not receive medical care until an hour and a half after a bus ride to a larger facility. There's no medical personnel at that remote border station. They are not putting those kind of people down there. Instead, they're trying to build a wall. They're not putting down humanitarian aid. They're putting down troops. We can see these decisions being made over and over again. And another thing I'd want to point out is when we talk about the border wall funding, something the president is now willing to shut down the government in order to get. We've seen barriers be built in the past, and what it does is it forces more people to make the dangerous treks like Jacqueline Call and her father had to make. It leads to more deaths. It's called a deterrent strategy. And they try to build these barriers, which forces them through these places. And another policy that they want to push through, but courts have blocked so far, is to make it illegal or impossible for someone to get asylum if they enter the way Jacqueline Call and her father tried to without going through those legal ports of entry, which as we can see from those numbers building up at the border, that's really hard to do. And under international law, you're allowed to claim asylum no matter how. They just, you know, I love the left's ability to rewrite history. The media can do it. Democrats can do it. They don't have to actually be honest with facts or numbers or anything. They just make shit up. But they can't make up this. New England ICE field director pleads with sanctuary cities to stop helping criminal illegal aliens. Help us snag illegal alien criminals is what he's wanting. In comments given to Boston Herald, Todd Michael Lyons, the acting field director for New England's ICE, said that because of cities that refuse to cooperate federal immigration authorities, law enforcement is always two steps behind criminal aliens. The comments come in the wake of a report that shows ICE conducted the arrest of 158,581 illegal immigrants nationwide, mostly already targeted by police and deportations of 256,000 plus in the last fiscal year. Nearly 3,000 of these arrests came in New England and almost all were wanted on drug or other criminal charges. Some, he added, were let go by local judges, jails, and police who ignored the detention orders. We have to focus on the worst of the worst. We're not trying to round up people at work. We're targeting the hardcore criminals. This is, that is why it is puzzling that he even has to ask these sanctuary cities, why not rid communities of public safety threats? Advocates for sanctuary cities argue that local police cooperation with agencies such as ICE discourages immigrant communities from reporting crime. <laughs> Okay. Thus, sanctuary cities refuse cooperation under the guise of seeking to protect innocent, non-violent immigrants and illegal aliens alike. The public has no idea how many drug dealers ICE is removing from the streets almost on a daily basis. I see it firsthand. As Town Hall reported last week, 
A five-day sweep throughout New England earlier this month netted 58 illegal aliens, including suspected murderers and dozens of violent criminals. But it's just not there. Report 70,000 gang members across the state of Georgia include children, correction officers say. And they're all MS-13 motherfuckers and Latino gangs. While the media continues to beat the drum about a seven-year-old girl, border agencies 1.7 million in meth and second largest drug bust this week. Just this week. But newly elected congressperson Rashida Tlaib your face tears in me. The adults in our country failed you. My son is seven too. He would have hugged and played with you. You dialed, died while my country imprisoned you. Your death has burned a fire in me that will not stop until every child is free. You are my daughter forever, Jacqueline. Every liberal turd has her picture as their Twitter picture. And it's all bullshit. It's just fucking bullshit. She didn't die because she was in custody. She didn't die because of ICE. She died. She was going to die before we even capture her. Your policies, Democrats, of free everything is baiting people to make this horribly dangerous journey through harsh deserts environments to get here. You're the reason she died. Not ICE. Ethics Group slams Warren Harris and Brett Kavanaugh fundraising. It's a non-biased ethics group and it's some good shit. Both Harris and Warren used their opposition to Brett Kavanaugh appointment to Supreme Court as opportunities to fundraise according to fact. The two Democrat senators sent out emails claiming the donations played a vital role in battling his confirmation. Shortly thereafter, Fact filed an ethics complaint against both senators. Warren was caught off guard during a televised debate when her opponent mentioned that she was under investigation for ethics complaint. At the time of the debate, Warren claimed she did not know she was under investigation. Fact stated in the complaint, senators must conduct themselves according to Senate ethics rule under the Senate ethics manual scope of the authority. The Senate may dis- discipline a member for any misconduct, including conduct or activity which does not directly relate to official duties when such conduct unfavorably reflects on the institution as a whole. A senator who solicits campaign contributions related to uh, official actions certainly cast an unfavorable reflection on the Senate. In addition, the use of official action for political fundraising is directly related to official duties. And the complaint fact pointed to the following sections of Senate ethics rule. Senate ethic rule prohibits senators from soliciting campaign contributions based upon any action taken in their official capacity. And actually... That is her capacity. And they let it slide. Because they're not going to touch her because she's a woman. If she's a woman, what are we going to do? Hmm. To some brief Russia stuff. In an answer to interrogators, Mr. Steele, who did the dossier, wrote, 
Fusion immediately client was law firm Perkin Coles and engaged Fusion to obtain information necessary for Perkins Coles LLP to provide legal advice necessary on Russian involvement on the legal validity of the outcome of the 26th U.S. presidential election. Based on that advice, parties such as the Democratic National Committee and HVACC, Inc., also known as Hillary for America, could consider steps they would be legally entitled to take to challenge the validity of the outcome of the election. So once again, they just did it to try to overthrow the government. And they're still doing it. Your media did not cover that. Ocasio. This one was one of the favorite stories of the week. Weird lack of replies and quote tweets from our blue check guardians of truth admonishing her for her attacks on the free press. That's Stephen Miller. And this is her tweet. One disappointment about DC is the gossip that Masquerades is reporting. This story has not a single named or verifiable source. Only one on the record comment, which is a denial. My dad had a name for junk articles like this, birdcage lining. For the record, this is the second political article about me in a short period of time with zero name sources to back claims containing false information. The articles are printed and distributed to congressional office with no name sources. Stephen Miller once again. And this is how you know the claim a bold new era of truth and fact checking is complete and total bullshit. Statement from Politico. Congresswoman-elect Alexandra, whatever the fuck, Ocasio, does not specify in her tweet what she believes is incorrect with the piece, nor has she or anyone from her staff reached out to our team for correction. We stand by our reporting. This is the Palone story that Ocasio 2018 is referring to in her last tweet. It is, of course, 100% accurate, and her chief of staff is quoted in it. Merry Christmas. Then later in the week, I'm taking a few days to take care of myself before what is sure to be an eventful term for working people, immigrants, and the poor. Self-care is political, not because we want it to be, but because of the inevitable shaming of someone doing a face mask while financially stressed. This is the downside of political stunt of voting against the member allowances or pay increases. So this girl has not even got in and she's already got to take time off. And she needs a raise. She's not even in. You know, I read some tweets this week, and I think it's true to the point. Barack Obama, being the first black president, if you really, really thought it out, had a lot to do to overcome that America is racist, blah, 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 blah. So he had to do things right. And he had to do a bunch of stuff for African Americans because he was in the White House. And I think he did all those. So my following statement has nothing to do with his ethnicity. He was a young, hip dude. He won with zero fucking experience whatsoever. And... His divisiveness and shittiness that turned off a lot of the country set back any hip motherfucker getting elected again. A hip motherfucker. 
This girl is the first millennial big-time political person. And I'm here to tell you, I'm glad she got elected. Because by the time she's done, stupid voters will no longer vote in dipshits like this. She's clueless on the subjects. She argues for the most socialistic crap. And to make matters worse, she's a child. No bad press. Every article she disputes. And then she does stupid shit like, I gotta take time off. Because it's been so hard not doing anything but interviews. So hard. She's gonna set her she's gonna set her fucking generation back. NBC News. United States added to the list of the most dangerous countries for journalists for the first time. Can you believe they actually did this? The world's five deadliest countries for journalists include three, India, Mexico, and for the first time, the United States, where journalists were killed in cold blood even though those countries weren't at war in a conflict, the group said. Reporters with borders said in three most dangerous countries for journalists to work in were Afghanistan, Syria, and Mexico. Meanwhile, the shooting death of five employees in the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis in June propelled the United States in the ranks of the most dangerous countries for the first time. Replies. The deaths of the Capital Gazette employees were tragic and horrible, but they were not emblematic of systematic oppression of journalism like we see in places like China, Middle East. For all Trump's public raging against journalists and the media, he's never detained a reporter or ordered one killed. NBC News' decision to report this as evidence that the U.S. oppresses its journalists is grossly irresponsible and dishonest as hell. Obama spied on and tried to jail journalists. Yeah, now we're terrible. Trump says mean things on Twitter about biased American media and add the U.S. to the list. The narrative attempted by this story is complete bullshit. The U.S. government is not killing journalists. The one killing inside the U.S. mentioned the story had nothing to do with Trump or anything Trump has ever said or anything about journalism. It was a fucking mad employee. But NBC, CNN, everybody ran with it. They ran with it. The New York Times communication tweet. New Year's Eve and Times Square will be officially be celebration of journalism this year, honoring press freedom, especially fitting since the world's most famous crossroads was named for the Times a century ago, and they put it on the heels of this report. This report. Stephen Miller, that story about America being the fifth most dangerous country for journalists turned out to be accurate. I thought journalists were supposed to report on a story, not be the story. The self-fixation of society continues, and it's true. Just true. These motherfuckers are all about them. And then lastly, because we got a really large fun section... So I did a short fire for effect. Comey had a meltdown on camera, and it was just unbelievable. I'd play it, but I'd 
rather just read an article. Disgraced former FBI Director James Comey attacked President Donald Trump, the Republican Party, Fox News, and Americans on Monday as he complained about having to testify in front of Congress. So, another day of Hillary Clinton emails and the Steele dossier, Comey said. This while the President of the United States is lying about the FBI, attacking the FBI, and attacking the rule of law in this country. How does that make any sense at all? Republicans used to understand that the action of a president matter, the words of a president matter, the rule of law matters, the truth matters. Comey continued, where are those Republicans today? At some point, someone has to stand up in the face of fear of Fox News, fear of the base, fear of mean tweets, Comey said before taking questions. Stand up for the values of this country and not slink away into retirement, but stand up and speak the truth. Comey called the Clinton investigation a matter. Seven times in his memos, he referenced that President Trump was under investigation, but he allowed the American people to believe that the president was. I'm sorry, was not under investigation, but he allowed the American people to believe he was. Just another example of double standard. Reporter to Comey, the FBI's reputation has taken a big hit in the last year. Do you share any responsibility in that? Comey, no. A question that needs answering. Why did Director Comey authorize agents to break protocol and bypass White House counsel in interviewing General Michael Flynn? It seems part of a pattern. Director Comey didn't follow protocol. He treated different people by different rules. Another one. The damage Jim Comey has done and continues to do the FBI is astounding. It's beyond belief that otherwise national people still take Comey seriously. He disgraced himself and anyone who supports him. It's embarrassing. Former Director Comey is having a tantrum. He's aware of the fact that the powers that be want to undo an election. Now he wants to talk about liars. The man either has Alzheimer or he lied when he said he could not remember hundreds of times because that's what he did. Former other stories. And his comments to reporters afterwards said needles flying of arrogance detector. What Comey told members of Congress was equally unbelievable. Republican John Ratcliffe shared one of them. Mr. Ratcliffe. All right. So I guess I try and summarize what I've heard today. Hillary Clinton mishandled classified information more than a hundred times. She made false statements about it. The FBI was aware that at least one of her aides also mishandled classified information. And one of the folks employed on behalf of Secretary Hillary Clinton intentionally destroyed evidence known to be subject to a congressional subpoena and perseverance order and lied to the FBI about it. And on July 5th, 2016, you stood before the American people and said that neither you nor any reasonable prosecutor would bring any charge in this fact pattern. Is that accurate, Mr. Comey? Yep, I believe it then. I believe it now. So he basically, for the first time, concurred that they did all that, but he let him off the hook. Another tweet that's apropos. Substitute Trump, other names of officials who've served in this administration, what would the reaction be? There needs to be one justice system for all. Meanwhile, General Flynn is being sentenced on lying to the FBI. Others have been sentenced for mishandling classified information. Why is nothing happening to these people? Really, are they above the law? No Democrat is getting busted in this investigation. And then it comes out late in the week that Flynn tried to invoke his Fifth Amendment. The FBI didn't allow him to. So he perjured himself and now they're 
going to send him eight months in jail. That's the theory. Because then the judge overstated how horrible Flynn was showing his partisanship, had to recuse himself for a while to discuss it because he was called out by the defense. I mean, sweet Jesus. I I got no skin in the game. If you lie, you lie. But here's the facts. The director of the FBI just admitted that she lied. She mishandled stuff a hundred times. They obstructed justice, destroyed evidence, but they didn't prosecute her because her name was Hillary Clinton. That's the facts. That's the story we should be hanging on to. Not the collusion. Because there is no collusion. There's a story that just came out. The DNC paid more money for fake bots to influence the election than the Russians did. The DNC did. So who's really to blame? Who? And why is the DNC buying fake bots to push false stories during an election? Why isn't that on the front of the New York Times? The Daily Caller had it. I mean, it's a fucking hot mess. Let's go to hate tweet. Oh, wait a minute. Let's do some music. Yeah. Let's do a Christmas song. Christmas podcast for Monday is it's fucking awesome, man. I already got it together. A lot of good sound bites, movies, TV shows, music. I got it locked in. It is ready for production. I'm going to have my mocha, a candy cane hanging out of my mouth and sling that mug out Monday morning. So let's get some Christmas music and we'll go into hate tea. Eight teats. Yeah. Same difference.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. you missed it space it's quite literally all around us but do we really know anything about it well perhaps we're gonna know more now thanks to one of nasa's newest hires meet bettina unclon she's a longtime gop spokesperson and activist and now she's the agency's newest associate administrator for communications and for bettina unclon talking about space runs in the family this is her mom bettina rodriguez aguilera This year, she ran unsuccessfully for Congress in Florida. She was even endorsed, by the way, by the Miami Herald, which called her an unusual candidate. Now, why, you might ask, was she so unusual? Because Bettina Rodriguez Aguilera claims she was once abducted by aliens. My first experience was when I was seven years old. And I had a direct connection with three people who look a little bit like you. (laughs) Seriously? Look, I can't say for sure whether she was abducted or not, but I can say I know someone who'd be jealous. 
Beam me up. Beam me up. Beam me up. Beam me up. Beam me up here. Ready to beam up. Well, it never did work for legendary Ohio Congressman Jim Trafficant. I would tell you why, but unfortunately, we're out of time. So that was Chuck Todd. And the story goes, Miami politician Bettina Rodriguez Agalera. She's a Republican who ran unsuccessfully in the primary place representative in Leon Rosen, whatever the fuck. Her story was rather unique because the Miami Herald endorsed her over Republicans even though she believed she was abducted by aliens as a child. The quirk in her biography was not a problem for the Herald, and since we told over and over again how important local journalism, it is really should matter, right? From the paper's endorsement, realized that she is an unusual candidate. Last year, she told the Miami Herald and several Spanish-language media outlets that she believes in extraterrestrial. She believes in extraterrestrials. She says when she was seven, she was taken aboard a spacecraft, blah, blah, blah. This is a non-issue, she told the board. We agree. Her bona fides as a former elected official and now a businesswoman who spends time in other countries training women to run for office are solid. Chuck Todd Moxer, Lindsay Fifield, found this under why more conservative women don't run for office. They mock and shame us to silence. They attack our families to provoke us. Then they ask why we are always so angry and can't take a joke. I know the lady's a kook, but could you do that towards a Democrat? Could you? Could would would meet the press of old do a story like that? I say not. I totally say not. It's unbelievable. Daniel Marins is our next A tweet. New progressive coalition goes public with its committee demands for Pelosi. They want Jayapal on ways and means, a waiver to stay on judiciary. Rokana on ways and means. AOC on ways and means. Rasheep Tlaib on appropriations. Katie Porter on financial services. And a pony. Looks like the progressive coalition isn't content with its pony. But now demands a unicorn, somebody said. Yeah. HuffPo introducing Demorphous Donald Trump, a newly discovered blind amphibian that buries its head in the sand and joins a growing list of creatures named after President Donald Trump, with his behavior bearing a striking resemblance to Commander-in-Chief's attitude towards climate change. It seems fitting that the limbless animal be named Demorphous Donald Trumpy. EnviroBuild, a sustaining building materials company, paid 25000 for the honor of naming the creature as part of a fundraiser for the Rainforest Trust, a nonprofit conservative group. Somebody tweets, take scientists seriously. These scientists who act like third graders are heroes. Same people. HuffPo. That is just so childish. You people are so childish. And let's just break down climate change, you fools. Your politicians who cry about it violate the environment more than anybody else. I mean, come on. The Hill. This one cracked me up, man. Remember, once again, we're not worried about gender, sexuality. It's all a construct by the white man. The Hill asks these questions. Booker addresses rumors about sexuality amid 2020 speculations. I'm heterosexual. 
Cory Booker addresses rumors about his sexuality in a recent interview telling the Philadelphia Inquirer that he is straight. I'm heterosexual. Every candidate should run on their authentic self, tell the truth, and more importantly, or most importantly, talk about their vision for the country. Past political opponents of Booker have attempted to question his sexuality, according to the Inquirer. Booker is considering a bid for Democratic nomination. Booker also told the Inquirer that he's going to discuss his possible presidential bid with his families over the holidays. Somebody tweeted <laughs> sarcastically, T-Bone was just a friend. But why is this an issue? Why would you ask that question? Why? Democrats and Republicans have questioned him. The guy's gay. Come on, you're gay. Just be gay, dude. Who gives a fuck? Cheddar! This underground fridge keeps food cold without any electricity, so it's basically apocalypse-proof, and it's great for the environment. The world! It's called a root cellar, you fucking city dweller. What the fuck, dude? Claire Sereni, this is the left. This is the left, my friends. Whether you like it or not, Joseph Stalin was one of the greatest anti-fascists in the history of the anti-fascist movement. Under Stalin's command, the Red Army defeated the Nazis and saved several ethnic groups from Nazi extermination. This is a legacy we cannot forget. What the fuck? Stalin was a good dude and we need to respect Stalin? Do you people have history books? Seriously, do you have a history book? You need to get your hands on a history book. These are the most expensive zip codes in the U.S. this year. And for you libtards out there, this is from the USA Today. You can't get more liberal than the USA Today. I mean, you probably could. It's HuffPo. I mean, I guess it's more. Um, but I, I I think the USA Today is pretty pretty fucking liberal. I had to block it on my fucking Google Home because I got sick of their bullshit. Certain parts of the country are more desirable to live in than others. High quali- quality public works, top-notch schools, safety are factor the prospect of homeowners look for. Blah, blah, blah. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Wall Street reviewed data on median home price in each of the American zip codes from real estate and property data provided Adam Data Solutions to determine the country's 50 most expensive places to buy a home. San Francisco has the greatest concentration of most extensive zip codes with four. New York City, Los Angeles with three each. Six other California cities, Los Altos, Los Gatos, Redwood City, San Jose, Palo Alto, and Newport Newport Beach have two zip codes that rank among the top 50 in median home prices. But Dan Pfeiffer tweets, The modern Republican Party is about billionaire-funded racial demagoguery to appear populist while enacting a corporate agenda. It looks like the corporate agenda on the left is working pretty good because those are all lefty states. All those areas are lefty areas. And you got lots of money on the left. So, yeah. Once again, I, I say it all the time on the show. I know it's repetitive. The left projects more than anything else. They, they know their weaknesses, that they were the racists back in the day. They're the rich people. 
And they do a really good job because they have the media in their pocket of just projecting that on Republicans. You're the rich fuckers. You only care about rich people. Well, it looks like you're the rich people, motherfuckers. Professor who co-founded Black Lives Matter, ICE equals Gestapo. Prescott College adjutant professor Patrice Cullors, who is also co-founder of Black Lives Matter movement, made a statement on Twitter. The Gestapo, otherwise known as the Nazi secret police, was formed in 1933, blah, blah, blah. The Gestapo also rounded up human beings labeled as illegal by the German government. Both agencies are similar tactics, and I think it's important we name that. What is up with the far, far left of African Americans hating cops? When I watch live PD, most of the cops are black. Latina. The ones the shows they have on. I mean, seriously. Eric Spencer. I never heard anyone say we should never have another black president after Obama. I have, however, heard plenty of people on the left, Natch, say that we shouldn't have white or male presidents anymore. Teray. This is Teray. If Trump were black or female and flailing as badly as he is, then many people would say we shouldn't have another black or female president. Why are white men judged differently? Hmm. What's the reason? What could be the reason? Everything's about race with these motherfuckers. No one wants to perform in the Super Bowl halftime show. Music's least wanted gig. Wow. The NFL is having a difficult time finding an act to play the halftime show for the league's annual Super Bowl. Variety Magazine reports that Maroon 5 is so far the only act scheduled to perform during this year's Super Bowl. Nobody likes Maroon 5, but go ahead. But even the multi-platinum band has yet to confirm their appearance, and they can't find a single act willing to make a special appearance during their 15-minute gig. According to sources, the band has reached out to more than a half dozen stars to appear as featured guests during the 13-minute slot midway through the Super Bowl. Among those considering the appearance are Cardi B, who's featured on Rune 5 Hit. Wow. Later on, it's because of Colin Kaepernick. That's why. They don't want to deal with it. This week, there was a GoFundMe created by veterans to build the wall. I think it's up to $12 million already, which is just fucking insane. But Alyssa Milano doesn't look at facts because she's an emotional creature because she's a liberal. And she puts out this tweet. Oh, yes, let's go fund the wall while not taking care of our veterans. Cool, cool, cool. Michelle. On Twitter, this is Trump or GoFundMe wall has me stressed the fuck out. Another one, also GoFundMe, you're fucking trash for letting people donate to this fuck shit. If you contribute to GoFundMe wall thing, fuck you and your piece of shit. That GoFundMe page for the wall is bothering the fuck out of me. Lefties lost it. My reply to her was, you have never cared about us. And as all progressives especially Obama, uses his props for your partisan agenda. Go fuck yourself and leave us out. Surprisingly, I haven't been deleted for that. I don't remember, but bland. I'm waiting for it to happen because there is a rule you can't curse blue checks. You can curse, they can curse us. We can't curse them. But then we find out that the left's just not content with mocking you know, the right doing stuff they do. They go fund me all sorts of shit. 
A far-left social media user is doxing or revealing the identities of individuals donating to the GoFundMe. Uh, let me try to find the name. One who wants to deal with this is perhaps not most efficient is a GoFundMe page campaign by Purple Heart recipient Brian Kolfick. We the people fund me wall. Sorry, I should have edited this document because it's really long. They're trying to say who it is. The official Twitter name may be Richmond Police, but the handle, the queer crimer, rather gives it away. Their header image shows a cartoon character engaging acts of vandalism, and the description says cops are gun violence, ambulances, da 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 da. So they're going through, finding out who does it, and then they're doxing them for contributing to it. Because the left doesn't want the right to be able to do what the left does. Yeah, that's nice. I fucked that story up. Then there was this one, which I thought was pretty good. Major Torre, Cortez. It's a bad idea to troll a member of the body that will have subpoena power in a month. Lou, I would love to regulate the content of free speech. Solwell, it would be a short war. The government has nukes. You, our government wouldn't do that. We don't need guns. Me, Dems say a lot of horrible stuff. And what's scary is they think it's a good thing. Solwell pretended his nuke joke was awesome for days, even after he called was called out for it. And yes, more times than we can count, we've seen plenty of people say our government wouldn't do that. Them. The government needs more power because people suffer. Also them. We suffer at the hands of government. Thinking people. Maybe the government can't be trusted with all this power, especially Democrats. They all get passes on this. I mean, the whole Casio, I'm going to subpoena you shit. Holy fucking shit. You couldn't get away with that. If you were conservative, that shit would have been front page news. But to our tweet of the day, she's not a very attractive young lady. And I don't know why she's doing this, because a lot of people are getting turned off by it. But I had to make the tweet of the day this Caitlin Bennett chick. Rifles and heels, my two favorite things. Yeah. That's the tweet of the day. She's basically naked with a rifle. And as a male, I gotta say, that's pretty cool. And then our other tweet of the day is this one. Baltimore decided to do a gun buyback. And this lady cracked me the fuck up. One woman shows us the nine mils she's turning in for Baltimore gun buyback program, but she says she's using the cash to get herself 45. Yeah. Liberal plans fall apart. Music gray break after the yays. News. Social media nuggets. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow 
will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed this, this is this is something man this is this is our generation man all you people we're all together man it's groovy and dig yourselves because it's really groovy now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. And our military corner. Soldier killed a cop. Keating receives Distinguished Service Cross more than nine years after the Battle of Kamadesh. Claimed eight lives and left 27 injured. Soldier killed there received 
posthumous medal upgrade Saturday to the nation's second highest honor. Army Staff Sergeant Justin Gallegos, 27, had been posthumously awarded the Silver Star for his action, but now they've given him the Distinguished Service Cross. Back-to-back mid-air malfunctions caused by Navy SEAL parachutist death, the investigation said. Special Warfare Operator First Class Remington J. Peters struck the Hudson near Liberty State Park, New Jersey, during New York Fleet Week on May 28, 2017, following back-to-back malfunctions that caused him to freefall, invertedly and hampered successful deployment of his reserve chute, according to the investigation that Military.com got through a FOIA. Pentagon identifies soldier who died in non-combat-related incident in Afghanistan. Uh, PFC Joseph McKeesky of Jonestown, Pennsylvania. The 19-year-old died at Bogomir Field in an incident that is under investigation. He was in the 4th Battalion, 31st Infantry Regiment out of 10th Mountain. And I didn't hear about that. So for all three, rest in peace. God be with your family. It's got to be horrible during the holidays. U.S. conducts six airstrikes against Somali extremists, 62 dead. And that's a good day. We still haven't got payback for Somalia. A small Pennsylvania town lost a son in combat. We saw how they remembered him firsthand. Not reading this article. It's rather long. But it shows the disconnect between our Washingtonian, New York, and California media. That they're astounded when they go to the funerals of veterans and our whole towns, fire departments, flags... They honor the dead. They're almost taken back by it. It's like it's something they've never seen. And I always want to say, what the fuck is wrong with you? We've lost over 6,000, 6,500 people have died. You guys don't even cover it. It's fucking bullshit. For my tanker brothers from the NTC, I don't know if you ever listened, but I did this last. This is a Christmas gift for you. The 10 tanks that changed the history of armored warfare. Yeah, I'm doing a tank story. The 10th was British Centurion. The Panzer Mark II was number 9. The British Whippet tank from World War One is 8. The Panzer Mark IV. The Char B1. I only read this portion because I thought it was really funny. France tanks saw limited fighting in World War II since, you know, yeah, it's France. France fell so early, they never really got used. But a couple of French tanks made a real impact, including the Char B1, C-H-A-R is how it's spelled. With its sloped armor, two large guns, and decent speed, its smaller 47mm gun could kill many tanks, while its 75mm could slaughter nearly anything available in 1939. In one battle, a single Char B-1 rolled into a German ambush in French town, used a 47mm gun to kill the trail tank, the 75 to kill the lead tank, and then start dismantling all the tanks trapped in the middle. It shrugged off 140 German rounds during the fight and killed an entire German panzer company. But you know, France still fell, so that part sucked. <laughs> Too funny. The British M1, the Tiger Tank, the M4 Sherman, the T-34, and, of course, 
R. Abrams is the number one tank that changed history, and it surely did. We are now going to go into college crazy, but I have a soundbite that I had to play, so we're going to go in front of college with the latest faux outrage. There's no gay Barbie dolls. Yeah, that's a thing. And then it happened. She met Ken. And somehow she knew that she and Ken would be going together. So now Mattel brings you Ken, Barbie's boyfriend. just look at it from your perspective and you just realize that it's not it's not connecting to us it's going to come up in your family no matter what yeah. you know as more same-sex couples are having kids your kids are going to have kids in the class that have gay parents and things like that too so it's not this huge shock anymore yeah the world was kind of like me on this one get two ken dolls problem solved but these two dudes two gay arizona men were planning to be married in may created a same-sex barbie set with two ken dolls as a birthday present for their eight-year-old niece who will be one of the flower girls then they urged Mattel, the toy company that makes Barbie dolls, to make a gay wedding set, prompting Mattel to agree to meet with them to discuss the possibilities. Matt Jacoby and Nick Caprio noticed that Mattel only creates wedding-style Barbie and Ken doll sets. That triggered them to purchase two Barbie wedding sets and switch the dolls so that the Ken dolls were in a single package. According to Good Morning America, you know they'd carry this. These two weirdos are planning to wed and have tapped their two nieces to serve as flower girls. One of them, Natalie, was celebrating a birthday in December, and her uncles wanted to get her something special to commemorate the occasion, like any good uncle or hashtag gunkle would do, Jacoby told Good Morning America. I went out to look for a meaningful birthday present. She loves Barbies, playing with her dolls, etc., just like any other kid. In honoring of our upcoming wedding, I wanted to push my agenda and my gay lifestyle on a child. Because that's what you fucking do! Yeah! When I talk to my nieces, I talk about fucking my wife! Yeah! I stick it in her... I stick my cock right in her! No! Why do they have to sexualize children? Jesus Christ! I'm not reading the rest of the article. You fucking perverts, man! Why, why do you have to have this? Seriously. Ah. Uh, then they go back to the history and how fucked up it is that, you know, it took the 68 to make a black Barbie. And then they start having wider weight. It's a fucking doll. But CNN carried it. After 57 years, could Ken be getting his own boyfriend? This couple realized there was no same-sex dolls, and they made a thing out of it. And we're backing it because we love fringe things about sexualizing children. Yeah. You fucking people. 
to our college stuff. Fuck it to rage for a second. Robot burst in flames at UC Berkeley, describing the robot as a hero and a legend. They held a fucking goddamn funeral for it, even with video. It was a big thing, even though they don't allow military on board. Can't have military there. No. Nope. 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 Then we had this incident. Somebody anonymously accused a concealed carry student. And he was told to disarm Brandon Mason, who was suspended from University of North Texas, Dallas, after an anonymous student claimed he threatened a professor, was allowed to do it only because he said he wouldn't conceal anymore, even though they said they could conceal on post. It was all fake. He got suspended, reinstated. It's another one of those cases where liberals lie because they don't like you. They're scared of your gun. Yeah. Then you got this fucking winner, winner, chicken dinner. Nine colleges using wacky ways to help students distress from finals. Number one was military, a Middlebury College. To calm students down, college and university are hosting, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading a fucking, fucking byline. And Middlebury College, for example, the Institute of International Studies in Monterey, California, is hosting a student service de-stress room in which students have opportunities to color... Smell and breathe your stress away with free essential oil creations, coloring, Play-Doh, hot tea, and foot and neck massages. I know when I was in my 20s patrolling the DMZ, we used to stop on our patrols, play with our fucking Play-Doh, and color. Yeah, we did. You fucking people. University of Massachusetts, Lowell. The University of Massachusetts Lowell took a similar approach, offering students free chair massages as well as reeky massage during their stress relief day. Huh. At 19 or 20, unless it was a naked oil massage with some lady rubbing her bottom, what they call it? Some British, it's some Japanese sex shit. I see fucking pop ups on the wrong side of the internet occasionally. Yeah. 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 I would have done that. But no on the rest. Uh, Amherst, Massachusetts Amherst, because Massachusetts is really fucked up. Acupuncture. Yeah. Let somebody stab you with needles. That'll take the stress away. University of Nebraska Omaha. Instead of free foot and neck massages, how about a shopping trip? The University of Nebraska Omaha is providing a free shuttle for students to go shopping mall. So you'll enjoy a three-hour shopping trip at a mall and are provided with free... Nebraska Crossing goodie bags. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. California State University Northridge uh, and their libraries handing out final survival kits which includes a free pillow, earplugs, plus a lot of goodies, all of which is in addition to providing students with crayons and coloring books that are available in the library. Big on the coloring books. Buffalo State University, where they offer hot chocolate, music, crafts, and even a photo with Santa. Because you're a young adult, but you still got to act like you're five. Got it. Emerson College, Circus Do Distress, where students can sign up for appointments to be with therapy dogs. Take advantage of chair massage in addition to arts and crafts. Gonna put some stickers, make some fucking shrinky dinks. 
Kansas State University Noontime Yoga. University of Idaho, another yoga. Doing yoga. Once again, maybe naked, naked yoga. Would have gone to it. But as a young male, yeah, I knew I had testicles. I didn't need de-stress on the DMZ. You fucking toads. Queer Lights coming to UMass Amherst. Oh, Jesus, here we go. Is offering a course in which students will cast light building LGBTQA theme electronic light displays. Queer Lights will be taught by David McLaughlin, a professor who's received a Tide Teaching for Inclusiveness, Diversity, and Equity Ambassadorship. Yeah. Because it's really important. The flyer. New spring course, Queer Lights. This course will combine learning about the experiences of LGBTQIA plus EIEIO motherfuckers with the design and construction of a programmable electronic light displays that reflect the student course learning or personal experience. No programming experience is necessary because that's what we need more of. Gay lights. Mm-hmm. Country is really lacking gay lights. Washington State University stocks men's bathroom. With free menstrual products. In an effort to demonstrate its commitment to inclusivity, Washington State University has begun stocking men's restrooms with free menstrual products. The initiative is one of many focusing on improving the transgender community experience on campus. The university is processing the assessment similar needs to other WSU campuses to determine which men's room will receive new accommodations. Affirming folks' identities on their Cougar card is a really big piece of us. Director of WSU's Gender Identity Expression and Sexual Orientation Resource Center, Matthew Jeffries, who also co-chairs the Gender Inclusive and Trans Support Work Group, function of WSU's Campus Culture and Climate Initiative. Jesus Christ, we got a lot of shit here. Here's a hint. If your penis is bleeding, go to a doctor. If you don't have a penis... And it's bleeding. You're a woman. That's what I put on the doors. Not very PC. I know. But, uh, yeah. Unless you're shoving that in a wound or up your ass, I don't know why you need it as a male. You know, a wound means something. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I just took my blood pressure medicine after that one. Didn't take it this morning, but I can feel it pulsing in my ear. Gotta have menstrual products. Yeah! Male bathroom. What the fuck is wrong with you people? I mean, it's a crazy town? Wait till the war on Christmas. The first article, I lost my junk on that. Ivy League course chews on racial otherness. An Ivy League institution will host a course called Literature, Food, and American Racial Diet. Because somewhere in here, because I'm not going to read it because I will fucking burst, food is racist. Yeah. But there's one positive in our college crazy. After two-year legal battle, a school can actually hand out the U.S. Constitution again because people were offended by it. Mm-hmm. Illinois, Urbana, Champaign. Yeah. Great. Good for you. Pete is at it again. The outfit that always dictates that what we should or eat or should not. 
There's plenty of good reasons that you've eaten food made from an animal rectum, study says. Some guy like me who got to there first, because I was going to say, you know, Heinz 57, said, uh, that's why they make A1 sauce. So they're trying to dissuade you from eating a steak, because somewhere in there is a cow's a butthole, I guess. I don't know where they're going with this. Ikawachaban Ikache! The level of meltdown over this tweet is shocking, and it's one part of medical advancement is to be halted. Some may want ultrasounds and sonograms banned because they show us in full image and sound the humanity of the baby in the womb. The left lost it this week because a pro-life group posted a video literally showing the baby moving, sucking its thumb, doing all sorts of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. It's a baby. It's a baby, not a clump of cells. Sorry about that, liberals. Lesbian, most searched term of the year on two of the world's biggest porn sites. Women were 151% more likely than men to watch lesbian videos, according to Pornhub, which boasts 92 million daily visitors. The sites, which combined approximately 40 billion yearly visits. That's a lot of fapping. Women who compromised approximately 30% of both sites were 151% more likely to watch lesbian videos. Women continue to favor lesbian porn, Laura Batito, the director of Pornhub's Sexual Wellness Center. <laughs> the fuck? They get to see acts they enjoy on themselves. As for men interested in lesbian adult contact, Timory Shimat, a sexual researcher and host of podcasts, Sex with Timory, it's because of several factors. They're designing a view of sexual experience in which they cannot, by definition, take part. So it has a voyeuristic, naughty, fantastical element. Additionally, Smith said men find... Some men find preferred to have any male performer's bodies and pornography. It's always been my joke. A lot of penises and pornography. They go through a lot of stats and it just makes me want to cry. Because to be quite honest, goddamn, 40 billion? Wow. The internet is a porn holder. Which goes to our next story. Controversial Playboy model Marissa Papin is arrested for nude photos of her being crucified on a cross. This shit is dark and sad on many levels. Literally showing her carrying the cross, laying there, thorns, blood. Holy freaking shit. It was it was really bad. Yeah. Then we got our social media stuff. Katie Katie Nakapolis. I don't know what's her name. Facebook also allowed Spotify, Netflix, and the Royal Bank of Canada to read, write, and delete users' private messages. The New York Times did an investigation into Facebook. Records show the company gave Microsoft, Amazon, Netflix, and other tech giants far more intrusive access to your personal data than ever disclosed. Comes to see that they literally allowed them to delete bad shit and censor criticism. Netflix, being the liberal turd that they are, Netflix never asked for access to anyone's private message. We're not that type to slide into your DMs. 
the New York Times. Netflix said it didn't have access to Facebook messages, but Facebook documents show Netflix had the ability to do just that. Netflix then acknowledged that it did access personal messages, but only for sending and receiving movie and TV recommendations. Facebook is fucking doomed. Liberals are leaving it. But doomed. Just doomed. Then there was an article. I'm not going to read it. Because our war on Christmas is rather long. Why does Lin-Manuel Miranda enthusiastically support a domestic terrorist? Why is that? He has tweets and everything. But my deeper question is as follows. Why the fuck did they fuck Mary Poppins up? They got this toad, and then they got the Emily Blunt who said she fucking hates America. That's what Disney went with. Me and my wife were so stoked for this movie reboot, but we're not going. Two anti-American people who hate America, specifically hate our demographics, we're white, middle-aged, fat people. Yeah, I'm not going. You're not getting my fucking $30 for tickets and $30 for a bag of popcorn and two sodas. Not happening! To other, oh, you fucked yourself. Wakanda mess, is this it? it what kind of mess is this? Sorry, I never watch Black Panther. I don't watch any video game or, vid- or comic book movies. I'm just not into them. I watched Iron Man with my grandkids. Didn't get it. Don't like it. Could give a fuck less. Supposedly, Forever 21 was selling an ugly sweater that they have in the movie. And they literally had a white guy in it. And then the world blew up because there's black clothes now. You can't wear black clothes. If they can wear white clothes, you can't wear black clothes. That's a whole thing. It's huge. Makes me wonder who's the racist against. Andrew Kaczynski, piece of shit. Daily Beast reports that actual witch community is requesting that Trump stop calling the Mueller investigation a witch hunt. That was a story on the Daily Beast. This is how far they've gone. This is the article. Actual witch hunts have left with witchcraft author Kitty Randall, who used the name Amber Kay in the witching world, called a traumatic emotional imprint. To have him compare the situation to the worst period in our history is just infuriating. Witches view the use of the phrase as more than just a prerogative rhetorical device. They place it rather in a larger context of the president demonizing and marginalizing minority groups. According to witches who spoke to Daily Beast, most contemporary witches are feminists and support other marginalized groups. Salisbury calls Trump's witch hunt tweets disgraceful, especially because Trump attacks on immigrants and women. It is particularly horrifying because many modern practitioners of witchcraft devote their lives to seeking compassion and justice. Yeah. That's a thing. Witches are butthurt. Coming to a theater near you, why you should not use witch hunt. That's now banned. The left's world poli- word police is going in the gutter. But if you actually go on Drudge, there are so many liberal articles about how witchcraft is expanding. Witches are expanding while Christianity is going away. Hail Satan. You fucking people are sick. Then there's this wizard. This is a real article from The Guardian in UK. Allowing six-year-olds to vote? No, 
but it's not as crazy as it sounds. Oh, yes, it is. The age of adulthood is by definition definition arbitrary. If human matured at the same fixed rate, it wouldn't be a human process. Indeed, maturation happens at varying speeds across different categories within the same individual. So I'd say I was easily old enough to cast a vote at 16, but nobody should have to give me credit card until I was 32. I've got the county court judgment to prove it. However, we broadly agree that there's a difference between a child and an adult, and even if we might bicker about the transition point. So the political theorist David Runsmin view that six-year-olds should be allowed to vote ventures way beyond any standard argument about the age of civic responsibly. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the article. I'm getting to the point. Nobody would say that six-year-olds could be held criminally responsible, blah, blah, blah. Argument is that it, this is the only way to rebalance political life, which is currently skewed in favor of the old who don't, he added, ever need to demonstrate mental capacity even long after they've lost it. The first part is case self-evident. Pensions are protected while children's centers are closed. Then later on in the article, it breaks it down pretty much. It's because they're more liberal. They live their life. They're more aligned with liberal politics. Thus, it would be better for liberals. Then we found out six-year-olds were all about building the fucking wall. Never would an article like this ever be done. And never in a million years should this article have been done. But it was. Making U.S. fire departments more diverse and inclusive. A typical firefighter. Who comes to mind if you picture it? If you imagine a white man, that's understandable. 96% of U.S. career firefighters are men, and 82% are white. This homogeneity is strikingly striking, especially when you compare it to the U.S. military, which is 85% men and 60% white, and local police force, which are 88% men and 73% white. Many fire departments recognize their lack of diversity as a problem and say they're committed to increasing racial and gender diversity. I want to stop for a second and break it down. You're saying what's more important is the color, sexual orientation, etc. of a firefighter than somebody who wants to go and put out the fucking fire. There's a reason Ranger Battalions, Special Operations Groups are predominantly white. Minorities don't want to do the job. It's not that they're screened out. It's not that it's a racist organization. If you broke down the army by demographics, majority of the African Americans are in POGUE jobs. The blacks that are in the infantry are some badass motherfuckers because they want to be there. But you can't sit there and say, we need to redo our fire department and like you've been doing for years. We need more black police officers. These are jobs that are specific. You can't half-ass them. So let's just go get a gay, trans, black woman that used to be man fucking throw her in there. I can't do it. I got to go to protest. Fuck your house. Mm. And then our last little thing before we go into our war on Christmas and change the background music. 
The NFL's highest-paid quarterbacks will be watching some of the cheapest in the playoffs. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. Your $134 million looks good in your bank account, but you fucked this year up. To Christmas! That wasn't sarcasm. That was serious. Woke Christmas. And then after that, we have this before I get to the money shot where I'll lose my lunch. Ryan Savandra, unhinged Democratic representative Louis Gutierrez, mocks people that say Christmas. I know I have 45 seconds. I won't take them all. But it is repugnant to me and astonishing to me that during Christmas, I like to call them the holiday seasons to be inclusive, but during Christmas, because the majority always wants to just call it Christmas, that during Christmas, a time in which we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, a Jesus Christ who had to flee for his life with Mary and Joseph. Thank God there wasn't a wall that stopped him from seeking refuge in Egypt. Thank God that wall wasn't there. And thank God there wasn't an administration like this. Or he would have too have perished on the 28th. On the day of innocence. When Herod ordered the murder of every child under two years of age. Maybe I haven't gone a lot to Bible school. But I know that part. Thank God. Shame on everybody that separates children. And allows them to stay at the other side of the border. Fearing death. Fearing hunger. 
bring sickness, shame on us for wearing our badge of Christianity during Christmas and allow the secretary to come here and lie. Thank you. Time of the gentleman has expired. The secretary would care to respond to any of that. Only then to say that calling me a liar are fighting words. I'm not a liar. We've never had a policy for family separation. I'm happy to walk the gentleman through it again. A policy of family separation would mean that any family that I encountered in the interior, I would separate. It would mean that any family that I found at a port of entry, I would separate. It would mean that every single family that I found illegally crossing, we would separate. We did none of those. What we did do is uphold the laws that Congress has passed, and we prosecuted those who choose to come here illegally. As far as not being compassionate, let me just tell you what I have done. And of course, he couldn't be bothered to stay, so I'm happy to tell the rest of the committee. This is a huge theme because it started with GQ correspondent Julia Ehoff. To show how bad our media is connected to Democrats, you have Guterres doing that and her doing this simultaneously. Please, please stop wishing me a Merry Christmas. It's wonderful if you celebrate it, but I don't. I don't feel like explaining that to you either. That she thinks people wishing her Merry Christmas just about the holidays, she doesn't celebrate, says so much about her and all of it's pretty darn sad. These are people replying to her. People don't wish someone a Merry Christmas because of the day. They wish them a Merry Christmas because of the season and the joy it brings. Just saying. Then Jane Lynch, a lesbian, by the way, she can be no liberal. If someone wishes you Merry Christmas, Chakakak, happy blah blah, season's greeting, happy new year, happy holidays, but religion, but you say thank you, you too. But honestly, if you can't see past the words of the wish to its good intent, then it's not the holiday will wisher is broken. It's you. Be a good human. Wish someone well this holiday season. Use whatever expression you'd like. That's from a liberal. But she wasn't done. As you may have heard, I have some thoughts about the ubiquitous Merry Christmas greeting. So I wrote something about it. And the reason why she writes this shit we're about to read is that she got nuked. She kept doubling down. So here's her fuck you and Christmas. It's impolite and alienating to assume I follow your religion. It was five nights before Christmas and my Lyft driver was the upteenth person to wish me a Merry Christmas that day. He probably just meant the way most people do. It was a kind December shorthand for have a good day. But he had a cross hanging from his rearview mirror. I said, thank you. Wish him the same. Got out on my street, decorated with lights and wreaths and nativity scenes. Went into my house and sighed. And she's a normal-looking lady. This is not like your wildebeest liberal lady that usually write this. I like good cheer, but please don't wish me Merry Christmas. It's wonderful you celebrate it, but I don't. And I don't feel like explaining that to you. It's lonely to be reminded a thousand times every winter that the dominant American cultural event occurs without me. Christmas is a lovely holiday, but it's definitely not a secular one. It's a celebration of Christ, as it is very name implies. As a Jewish person, I have zero problems with you celebrating the birth of a person you believe is God's only son who grew up to die for your sins, and she dogs Christianity. My family even celebrated a version of the holiday for decades. It was in the Soviet Union, run as it was by self-declared militant godless, 
Christmas was a secular holiday. It was called New Year's People had New Year's trees decorated with New Year's ornaments under the Father Frost would leave New Year's gifts. These images are central beloved memories of my childhood. Waking up to sparkling decorated tree in my room piled high with presents that given that it was the Soviet Union were often slightly defective. Then we came to the United States. We brought ornaments, some of which have been in the family for generations. For the first few years in the States, we'd get a New Year's tree on December 26th, decorate it, lay it presents under it, and celebrate the New Year's as we had for as long as anyone can remember. But after a few years, we stopped. There was no longer a New Year's tree in the Soviet house, and it had become Christian symbol in a Jewish house. Christmas was all around us for nearly one-tenth of the year every year. It began to feel deeply alien, precious, <clears throat> precisely because we were secular, but it was not. Despite the movies and the shopping, despite the Germanic decor, the Christmas is still as a core, and by design about the birth of Christ, a point that seems bizarre to argue. Just look at all those nativity scenes, and we don't observe the holiday on just the day, December 25th, as Christian significance. Whether I hear the name, I hear the Christ in it. To me, it's strange to many that many of its celebrants do not. And despite its celebration of Christian God, it, it is everywhere for over a month in the way no other holiday is, not even Easter. It is very ad in every ad in every window and doorway and on everyone's lips. If you're not part of the festivities, even your sparkling aesthetic can wear you down. When you are from a minority religion, you're used to the fact that cab drivers don't wish you an easy feast on Yom Kippur. But it's harder to get used to the oppressive ubiquitous of the holiday like Christmas. This is always the time of year I feel most excluded from society. To say it's off-putting to be wished a Merry Christmas, Merry Holiday you don't celebrate, like someone randomly wishing you a happy birthday when the actual date is months away, is not to say you hate Christmas. It is simply to say, to me, Julia Ihoff, it is alienating and weird. Even though I know that it's not intended, I respond, thank you, you too. But the feeling alienate and weird because now I'm pretending to celebrate Christmas. I feel like I verbally tripped, and when I reply you too to an airport employee wishing me a good flight, there's nothing evil or mean spirit about any of it. It's just ill-fitting and uncomfortable, and that's when it happens once. When it happens several times a day for a month and amplified by the audio-visual Christmas blanketing, it's exhausting and isolating. It makes me feel like a stranger in my own land. When I tried to explain this on Twitter, I Thousands of attacks, people vindictively wishing me a Merry Christmas, vicious and ad hominems and condemnations, accusing me of being angry, whiny, impolite, self-centered, ungrateful, sad, and in general, a bad person. We've already got a reputation for being miserable fucks, one Jewish commentator wrote. Let's not make it worse. I find the surge of hostility baffling. To voluntarily opt out of Christmas apparently is an act of aggression against the Christmas itself. And as if only miserable folks are displeased when people assume they are Christians, as if asking you to consider your friendly utterance might come across as thoughtless and betrayal of a holiday spirit. As if you cannot in fact opt out of Christmas and out of celebrating Christ's birth. There's something a little deranged about taunting someone as other faith with Merry Christmas until they politely ask for a reclusal. It feels out of step with what Christmas say Christians say the holiday is. And Christianity is all about peace, love, and mercy. It feels instead to be the peace with the warring tribalism that has consumed our politics. How I was asked, or people want to know what you celebrate, there's not, there's not. Which is why my wish this holiday season is for people to not make assumptions about others, to put themselves in others' shoes, respect others as they wish, to be respected and respond with kindness even when they disagree, to live and let live. 
I heard about a guy who used to say all that stuff, and apparently his birthday's coming up. Why not honor him? I responded to her pretty succinctly. 90% of this country celebrate Christmas. You don't want us to say those words. But 0.7% of this country is transgender, and you expect us to keep up with the 95 pronouns and believe we should be punished if we don't. See, liberalism isn't about protecting minorities. It's about shutting people off. And this lady is an idiot. If you're so tolerant of other religions... Why do you get butthurst when somebody says Merry Christmas? See, what liberals are going to do is shut Christmas off. Before I die, there will be no Christmas movies. You'll have to find them on cable. The major networks will not have Christmas. They won't even recognize it because it's a Christ thing. When probably 50% of this country celebrate Christmas as a secular event, it's not religion. It's not about Christ. Nothing on our TVs about Christ being born. No, other than Charlie Brown, nobody even talks about it in the movies. It's about goodwill. And if you're so butthurt by Merry Christmas, what do you think we feel like when we have to say, and you go, and if we don't, we get busted. What do we feel like when our idea of marriage was changed Because of your bullshit. I mean, seriously. You are offended over what the majority think. But we cannot be offended. Even though we're a majority. On gay marriage. On this transgender bullshit. On immigration. On defense. And more importantly on abortion. We're just supposed to shut the fuck up. And you get us fired. If we dare utter the wrong phrase. This was peak 2018. Followed by. You've got to be fucking kidding me. One in six people think that Santa should be gender neutral. As far as most people are concerned, Santa's always been a man with a round belly and a white beard. He's often been known as St. Nicholas, blah, blah, blah. Gender in society nowadays, people are becoming more open to the idea of being gender neutral, such as with clothes, girls and boys being the same. Now a recent survey has taken place to discuss the gender of Santa. Santa in the UK and US, a survey showed that more than one in four people thought Santa should be a female or gender neutral Instead of the idea that we had Santa already, giving people recent thoughts on being gender neutral, this isn't surprising. The poll was taken by more than 4,000 people, which asked them what gender Santa would be if they could rebrand the present giver who rides around on their sleigh. More than 1 in 10 said they would opt for a female clause. More than 1 in 6 of them thought it... 17.15 said it would first Santa was gender neutral that gave an overall percentage of 28% that would get rid of the traditional male. The survey was conducted by Graphic Springs. 
and shows that Santa's gender is still a hot issue. Reality, Santa existed in the same reality as Easter Bunny and Tooth Fairy and Pikachu, but only have given a specific gender. More than that, he only seems as white old man with a beard that is what people seem to have issue with. Arun Chandra is a Labor Party counselor for New- Newton Acliffe in country Durham, County D- country Durham, England, and wanted to ban female Santa Claus from taking place- part in their annual parade. His reason for, for why was simple to him. He said that the concept of Santa being a woman was a form of political correctness and that it was has been and always will be a male role. One of the panelists, Linda Robbins, argued Father Christmas is a man, as we all know. I think the kids would be confused if they got to see Father Christmas as it was a woman. On the other hand, Stacey Coleman said that it shouldn't matter who was wearing the costume as long as they look like Santa Claus. She said, is this female Santa wearing a beard and hat? So what does it matter what's underneath? However, there are a number of companies and individuals are saying that Santa could be anything anyone wants them to be. Whether it's male or female, and we'll talk about New Zealand's bullshit in a few seconds. Well, I'll just talk about it. Uh, Here's another one. At Ponson Central, they have a Santa model as Mary Poppins wearing knickers and fishneck stockings. It had been planned since August, but was unveiled the same week the country's leader of opposition, Simon Bridge, said Santa should be played by a male. He went on to say Mary Poppins is a woman, Santa Claus is a man, that's how it should be. I think it's just PC gone wrong. I don't know if it's mad, but too far. You guys this morning are telling me the man didn't walk on the moon, now you're telling me Santa's a woman. People should be able to believe in what they want, and it seems people want Santa to be seen as something other than the traditional. It will be interesting to see if more women will start dressing as Santa in the future. This is a liberal article. Andy Lehman sums it up. Any pushing, Anyone pushing for a gender-neutral Santa needs to just get off the planet. Absolute weirdos. He's a fictional character based on a real male. He's male. That's the gender. He has a dick. He wraps his dick in tinsel before shoving it into Mrs. Claus. Get over it. <laughs> What the fuck? Then, a 12 Days of Trump, a parody Christmas song for the ages was brought out by HuffPo. And that was just in a three-day period. The left hates anything traditional. They have to crush it. Then we have this story. Real-life Grinch steals Christmas present and the family dog. One Texas family is experienced after a thief broke into their home through a bedroom window, took jewelry, Christmas gifts, and the family pocket, family's pocket, American Bulldog named Smokey. Presents can be replaced. Material things can be replaced. They also stole our piggy bank that we've been saving for a long time. It's a water jug filled with coins and dollar bills. But we don't care about that. We just want our dog back. Then UPS, if your child addresses a letter to the North Pole, you can leave it with us. We do shredding. Then they said, oh shit, I'm sorry. Then there's this. Somebody put up a black Santa just to piss everybody off. Vandal slashed the inflatable black Santa in Oregon. Then everybody in the world put up black Santas. Because it's about race now, too. 
Then I find this out, doing some research, because I've never seen Holiday Inn unedited till last year. And I guess I missed the scene, but they wore blackface for Abraham Lincoln. And it's been edited out as long as you and I have been alive. We just never saw it. And there's actual articles. A White Christmas witnessing racial intolerance in the 1940s America through Holiday Inn. Yeah. Whole articles. Losing their mind. Additionally this week, this holiday season resists the unbearable whiteness of wellness. Tis the season when thoughts turn to gift buying, and this year many of us will wrap up and receive presents designed to encourage self-care. We'll be on the hunt for perfect face masks and ready to unwrap bottles of lotion or boxed up aromatherapy candles. It's not just the holiday season, though. Since 2016 election, there's been an uptick in self-care, according to 2017 data. Americans may be spending more time and money on yoga, 34% increase, morning walks, 20% increase, meditation, 16%, and therapy, 17%. It makes sense that the wake of the terrible stolen victory by narcissist-in-chief, we are looking for some self-soothing relief. And women like Gwyneth Paltrow and other white women in the wellness industry have been there to recap the benefits of the trend. This article then goes on to not only bash Trump, but bash white people. And it's from HuffPo. Then we have woke artists rewrite responsible lyrics to Baby It's Cold Outside. It's full cringe. Woke songwriters were displeased with the apparent offensive lyrics of Frank Loser's Christmas classic, Baby It's Cold Outside. In the politically correct version of the classic, a woman is not being wooed to stay over instead of a man is basically indifferent to having her company at all. The song was first rewritten in 2016, though it recently resurfaced due to the controversy and yet again sparked with the social justice left. According to a Minnesota radio station, the current songwriter, Lita Liza and Joseph Lemonsky, Revise the lyrics to emphasize the importance of content, consent, excuse me, and sexual relationship. The current gat gushed about how much they loved the new tune and had Lisa Lemonsky perform the scrubbed off romance version live in studio. We played it last year. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to go, what the fuck? So the new, the radio station that banned it unbanned it, and then the Kentucky radio station played that song for four fucking hours straight. On repeat. The radio station found out that 77% of their listeners opposed the band and thought it was stupid. But it wasn't just there. It was on Twitter. SJW's roast William Shatner for defending Baby It's Cold Outside. The problem obviously lies in their own minds not the original lyrics. In response to Canadian Broadcast Corporation's recent decision to ban the song, which they later reversed, Shatner called upon his Twitter followers to pound the company with endless phone calls demanding the song be played over and over until midnight. Calling to CBC Radio all day and get them to play Baby It's Cold Outside over, the, over, over and over until midnight. A user tweeted a response, Come on, Bill, isn't there something, anything you could find that is more important to rally for? Shatner replied that fighting censorship is indeed an important cause to rally for. I would think that censorship a classic because certain types need to judge things through their own 2018 myopic glasses 
and demand they be stricken from history is important, or is this 1984 only 34 years too late? When another user suggested that Shatner was just joking around by defending the song, the Star Trek actor promptly replied, I'm not. Then just to really turn up the heat, Shatner went on to say he'd still call and request the song be played just to stick it to the myopian censorship club members. When another Twitter user suggested that Shatner cares nothing for sexual assault victims, he schooled them on the song's original intent. Have you watched the original choreography, Myopic Peter? Are you one of those who needs to take the lyrics and extra, extrapolate, extrapolate worst case? You must clutch your pearls over rap music. Here's the original choreography from 1949. The choreography is interpretation of the lyrics from the time frame when it was written. Chant continues, in 2018, prudes want to interpret the lyrics as something else. The problem obviously lies in their own mind, not in the original lyrics. Shatner did have a few supporters ride to his side. Way to go, Bill. This PC stuff is nuts. Let's get him, Bill. Yeah. They, they've just... They've gone overboard, man. Then I found this. Warming up to Baby It's Cold Outside. What my mother taught me about the guy who wrote the date rape Christmas song. Frank Lesnar's Christmas song sounds creepy to our ears. But his life and work showed a man ahead of his time. And it took her mother to go, lighten the fuck up. But the left is obsessed with this stuff. Pelosi accidentally says Christmas, corrects herself to say holiday. And because of all the stupid shit, Trump then cancels the White House Christmas party because all the journals blocked it last year. So he said, fuck it. I'm not doing it. Which I say, good to him. Good on him. Then HuffPo, or so, excuse me, the advocate puts out this. Ten truly gay movies for Christmas. Home for the holidays. Jodie Foster makes her second outing as a director in an ensemble, ensemble dramedy about an out-of-work single mother, Holly Hunter, who leads... Heads home for Thanksgiving to see her eccentric family. One of the best bickering family films ever made and proof Foster really should direct more often. The Family Stones, Holiday Heart, The Preacher's Wife, Meet Me in St. Louis, Too Cool for Christmas, The Holiday, 200 Cigarettes, Go, A Diva's Christmas Carol. Yeah, that's a thing. There's also articles on Advocate, HuffPo, and The Root. How to come out. Not The Root. I'm sorry. It was um, CNN. How to come out at Christmas dinner. Because mm-hmm. that's important. The Root had, don't do the white Christmas thing. White Christmas is evil. Yeah. These fucking people. You have to ruin everything you just have to ruin everything so we'll segue to our crime man 84 died after nursing home staff failed to bathe him his gentles rotted off what the fuck jaw dropping moment Brit surfer catches biggest wave ever 
those big waves, and caught a 100-foot wave, the largest recorded wave surf ever. And he lived. A sad story. woman who was pinned by SUV in an Indiana toll booth dies four days later. She got out to pay her toll, didn't leave it in park, and it crushed her. And then man films high-speed car chase. Then the car hit him. It's on the side of the road. And his dumbass didn't pay attention. And that's a sad way to go. To our lighter fare. Somebody decided to take Ray Liotta chanting commercial and mix that shit with Goodfellows. And I peed myself laughing. Enjoy. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. In the movies, a lot of times I, I tend to play the tough guys. But I wasn't tough enough to quit on my own. Not until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. It reduced my urge to smoke to the point that I could stop. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking. Aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. My favorite role so far, being a non-smoker. No question about it. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. <laughs> That's some funny shit. To our, our serious stuff. Hillary Clinton, actions have consequences, and whether we're in Syria or not, the people who want to harm us are there and at war. Isolationism is weakness. Empowering ISIS is dangerous. Playing into Russia and Iran's hand is foolish. The president is putting our national security at risk. She had the balls to say that. My reply, you, Obama, let ISIS form fulfilling campaign processes promises that blood mud flood you were leaving iraq then you ignored wmd use then gave billions to iran you need to just do your book tours you have no credibility on this issue that is why you lost not sexism racism or other isms now i don't know what's right or wrong on this one syria seems to be a russian thing now Thanks to Obama, to be quite honest. Not Trump. But for them to say anything, when they pulled out of Iraq and formed this, shows how pathetic they are. But the media is up in arms about every subject that I didn't cover today. And I'm covering it with Stephen Miller. Now, I don't know anything about Stephen Miller. The left thinks he's a racist fucking Nazi. All I know is he can bitch slap face the nation and wolf blitzer and that makes me happy are you talking to democrats right now to come up with a compromise well what i before what, midnight tomorrow night the democrats 
All they need to do is support border security, and the government will be funded. But well, that, that, that barrier that we're support, talking about uh, Stephen, is what the, Democrats, the Border Patrol The Democrats wants. support border security. They don't support $5 billion for could you, could, could you identify, Wolf, for me, some of the kinds of border security you're saying the Democrats the are Democrats so here to support? The Democrats all say they support border security. But, but like what? Where they, they, don't, well, where they, they disagree respect, with you is They voted against the Kate's Law. They voted against ending sanctuary cities. They voted against deporting MS-13 gang members. They voted against deporting violent criminals. They voted time and time again against a physical border wall to stop illegal entry. I mean, wh where is the evidence that you keep asserting they're for border security? They haven't been. They oppose closing loopholes for asylum that, that right. flood our system Stephen, with meritless claims. I, I, I want to move on they to another sensitive ending issue. Catch and release. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. We begin today with White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller. He is the president's point person on policy. Uh, good to have you here in studio. It's uh, great this, to be here. Thank you. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. This federal judge and the decision to strike down Obamacare is unconstitutional. This could put at risk about 20 million Americans who rely on it for coverage, including Medicare and Medicaid. That numbers from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Uh, what is your reaction and how do you reassure those Americans that they're okay? Well, obviously, there's no change immediately in Obamacare. There hasn't been a nationwide injunction. Obamacare was ruled to be unconstitutional. We've always known that Obamacare was unconstitutional. The more important question is whether Democrats are going to work with Republicans once Obamacare is ultimately struck down, which we believe it will be, to come up with a replacement plan that protects pre-existing conditions, helps the 28 million Americans who, because of Obamacare, still don't have access to health insurance, and keeps prices low through robust competition. So to be clear there, you're predicting that this goes to the Supreme Court and that the Supreme Court ultimately strikes down. I believe that's the likeliest outcome because Obamacare has always been unconstitutional. And the mandate... Well, uh, technically, this decision wasn't possible until the tax law was put into place. But uh, in terms of what this means for the 20 million Americans, it does create some uncertainty and possible disruption about, We also have to think about the 28 million Americans who still don't have health insurance because Obamacare didn't work. Fortunately, because of the dramatic action this administration has taken, we've increased choice, we've increased competition, and for the first time in a long time, premiums on the exchanges are going down, not up. So will the president instruct Republican governors to continue to implement the law until there is a replacement? Well, everybody's bound by the law as long as the law is in effect. I think the important thing, again, is for real bipartisanship to happen, for Democrats to work together with Republicans. You have lawmakers from both so sides of the aisle on your show today. So you on a new health care law? Obamacare was a disaster. Fortunately, again, the president has taken significant action to bring down the price of insurance on the exchanges, but Obamacare never worked. For example, even on the issue of pre-existing conditions, uh, an American family, say, earning $80,000 a year with a few children, has to pay exorbitant out-of-pocket costs if they have pre-existing conditions. But if the court, we can do as so much more. strikes down the law, then those pre-existing condition protections are also gone. The, so are a you flawed, a flawed law, the a flawed law? law would be off the books. And this president, working with members of both parties, would be able to replace it with something that not only expands choice, expands competition, enshrines purchasing across state lines, but also protects pre-existing conditions in a much better way than the current law does. So the president said yesterday he wants repeal and replace handled a little bit differently, reference to uh, failed attempt by Republicans in the past, and that he'll sit down with Democrats if the Supreme Court upholds the ruling. So are you predicting that you spend the next year crafting a new law from scratch? This administration is going to be working with members of both parties, not only on health care reform, but also reducing the price of prescription drugs, infrastructure. We have an extremely ambitious domestic agenda. And of course, at the forefront of that agenda is the vital issue of border security. But you weren't able to do that with a Republican majority in both houses. Now you have a Democratic majority in the, as the House. President, as the president has made very clear, the new Democrat House 
affords us the opportunity as a country to craft real bipartisan solutions on all the issues I just mentioned and many more. Well, you do have many more. um, And I want to actually switch to another area you're a key voice on, and that is uh, immigration. And also want to talk about the possible shutdown here. One very particular case here, the seven-year-old migrant girl uh, who passed away. She was a migrant from Guatemala named Jacqueline Call. She died some hours after passing into U.S. territory while she was under the protection of Customs and Border Patrol. Who bears responsibility for her death? Our hearts break for the tragic death of the seven-year-old girl. The loss of that precious life is horrifying. It is a painful reminder of the ongoing humanitarian tragedy that is illegal immigration and the misery that it spreads. A Coyote dropped off 163 migrants in an extremely remote section of New Mexico. Uh, Those individuals were found by Border Patrol, who, in many cases, act as first responders. In fact, Border Patrol saves about 4,000 lives every single year. Unfortunately, hundreds die on the dangerous trek up. Smuggling organizations profit off death and misery. They are vicious, vile organizations. And it's time that both parties had the appropriate level of outrage over the fact that these organizations continue to take advantage. We equipped to deal with the record number of families coming across. Why aren't they? One of the great tragedies that is going on in our country today is the loopholes in our immigration laws and the deficiencies in our immigration laws and left-wing activist judicial rulings that incentivize the most vulnerable populations to come to our country. Last year, and the administration 100, hasn't been 000, able to deter them last from year, making that trip. Last year, 100,000 unaccompanied alien children or children traveling with adults showed up at our southern border. Mm-hmm. President Trump took dramatic action, issued an executive order directing illegal traffic to the ports of entry. But a left-wing activist judge issued a reckless nationwide injunction on the president's order, putting thousands of lives at risk and further enriching these grotesque, and a, a record number continues to cross. I, I want to quickly, though, get to, to only, because we're going to run out of time. Way, I want to get to this question of the border wall, which I know you're a huge advocate for. Uh, we are about five days from potential government shutdown, and Republican leadership says there's no plan. What is the president's plan, and will he shut it down to get this five billion in border wall funding? We're going to do whatever is necessary to build the border wall to stop this ongoing crisis of illegal immigration. And that means this is a this is a very if it comes to it. Absolutely. This is a very fundamental issue. At stake is the question of whether or not the United States remains a sovereign country, whether or not we can establish and enforce rules for entrance into our country. The Democrat Party is a simple choice. They can either choose to fight for America's working class or to promote illegal immigration. You can't do both. Is there wiggle room on that five billion? I'm not going to negotiate the details on air with you right now. Well, Senator Schumer said this morning you're not getting the border wall in if any the, form. If the, Democrat Party wants any to, form. if the Democrat Party wants to go down the road of continuing to preserve a model that enriches smuggling organizations, that spreads misery on both sides of the border, that kills 300 Americans a week through heroin overdoses alone. By the way, illegal heroin costs our country $230 billion every you're, you're single year. You're talking about the intent of these migrants and, and trying to stop that, which really gets you more to the diplomatic issues of why people are fleeing in the first place, not the border wall itself. But the largest increases, shutdown, the largest are increases... Are we going to have a shutdown over Christmas? As you yourself acknowledge, the largest increases in illegal immigration are categories that are incentivized by loopholes in our laws and loopholes created by activist left-wing judges, including the district court judge. I said there are a record number happening right now. In the the categories that correspond with these loopholes. 
and the interventions, reckless, lawless interventions of district court judges. And this president has taken historic action to stem the tide of illegal immigration and to fight for working people in this country. And this is his last best chance to get a border wall before Democrats. And we want it's time that both parties. And this is what the American people want. Both parties to come together for the sake of American children, for the sake of children all across this hemisphere, to create a lawful system of immigration, okay. not the lawless chaos Stephen, that has been perpetuated for too many it's decades. Good to have you in I love the way he bitch slapped Wolf Blitzer. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send emails about segments or suggestion for segments to FOPPODCAST at gmail.com. FOP podcast at gmail.com you get the show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher remember check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com foppodcast.com it's a theme see the links to feeds of the show links to our facebook page and email us and there you see a link to every episode on the episode release page our next show will be december 24 2018 christmas eve it's going to be about music once again movies tv shows no negativity. I've done all the War on Christmas for three consecutive podcasts. There will be more between now and then. Like you can't have fucking white wrapping paper or flocking trees actually is like the okay sign. It means you're a white supremacist. That's fine. They're not going to shit on my parade. I love Christmas. We will have a Christmas podcast. It'll be fun. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your family. It's fleeting. Pretty soon the kids are gone. As my brother Matt in Oregon sent me a picture of uh, his son wrestling, I'm still caught that he's a little guy, but he's a big guy now. And it was perfect, perfect picture for wrestling. It was Vision Quest. It was awesome. In the tie-up, the lighting was perfect. Just a great photo. Um, but it reminds me. It's a short ride, man. You you got to enjoy the season. Even with all the people trying to shit on it, enjoy your family, enjoy the closeness, enjoy the lights and the and the joy and the Christmas shows and just eat it all up. Uh, it's the only time of year to be quite honest, conservative leaning people are forefront. We get to have shows about nice stuff, not about gay or transgender, or all white people are racist. Yeah, it's a nice time of year. We get it for about a month, and then we'll go back to Netflix shoving shit down our kids' throats, and schools teaching them that gay Ken dolls are what they need to play with, and if you play with a normal Barbie, you're a fucking homophobe. Yeah, it's there. So enjoy your family. As always, I thank you all for listening, and tune in Monday. As we ho 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 it. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.
swears he's not to blame And I understood Cause I feel the same Arms wide open 